0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Professional People Podcast. Hard to believe I've been doing this for over a year now. 420 marks the one-year anniversary of the podcast, so I thought it would be fitting to have two of my cannabis insurance brokerage friends, Lee and Eric, on the show to talk through all things cannabis insurance and give us insights on the cannabis industry. Thank you guys so much for listening, as always, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Professional People Podcast. It is the week of 420, and I couldn't be more excited to, to get some insurance and cannabis specialists in to talk, talk shop. I got Lee Woodruff and Eric Schutz, both with GenCap Holdings and, and doing cannabis insurance brokerage. Uh, Eric is in Massachusetts, and Lee is is here in Michigan with me. Uh, welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me whoever wants to to start off and and kind of give their background here and how they got into doing cannabis insurance, go ahead and and take us, take us on a ride here.
1: Yeah, I guess I'll start. Um, So I'm, I'm Lee Woodruff. I'm a cannabis insurance uh, specialist with GenCap and uh, I've been in the insurance industry my entire career. So dating back to 2008, um, I've been in the industry. Uh, mostly in the surplus lines industry, which is kind of where all the fun happens, in my opinion, Um, all the hairy accounts and the accounts that are a little bit scary, uh, tend to go over to the surplus lines industry. Um, So, you know, that's kind of what led me, you know, kind of led me into the cannabis world is, you know, these accounts are um, obviously a little hairy, a little scary, um, you know, so I basically a couple of years ago just kind of identified it as a, an area that I wanted to learn more about and then realized that there was definitely a need in our state um, for somebody that was really uh, focused in the industry and kind of makes us their niche and can help agents and insureds, you know place coverage for their businesses that are um, growing rapidly and have all sorts of different exposures and um, risks associated with them.. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got started in it. It's been a couple of years. Um, I've had some really good mentors. I've really relied on my network of, in the insurance industry to uh, kind of guide me and, and you know, kind of help me learn the ropes. And uh, after a couple of years, I feel like uh, you know, I have a pretty good
0: grasp of the industry and, and that's kind of my background, I guess. Awesome stuff. And, and Lee does a great job of helping me and has kind of become my mentor in the cannabis insurance space. And I know that Eric has been a, a big influence to, to helping you out and learning the coverage. Eric, can you kind of tell us a little bit about your background?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, Let's start with saying it's it's all about paying it forward. And, you know, I, I had to learn somewhere and Lee did too. And, you know, education and experience is, uh, you know, lacking in this this industry and, it's not uh, anyone's fault. It's it's new. So, you know, we all have to kind of learn together and help each other out. And I, I really, too, believe in paying it forward and, you know, kind of making making it a little easier for the people that come after us because it's it, it is it's a grind and there's a lot of uh, room for error. And um, that's why it, it, it takes a specialist to kind of dig in and, and read. But, um, you know, my story starts uh, very similar to Lee's. Uh, been in business since, you know, right out of college, you know, back in like 2008, fell and was lucky to fall into a a carrier job when market was really tough and there weren't a lot of opportunities for people coming out of school. So I, uh, you know, kind of started at the at the bottom, in an underwriting assistance role at uh, National Carrier, Lloyd, Lloyd's Carrier. So I got some good experience in the, the surplus industry, underwriting. Um, you know, a couple of different couple, couple of different fields for about six years, and um, you know, saw the brokerage sales side side of the business. Saw the opportunity, uh, the potential to not be chained to your desk and kind of you know choose your own destiny, so to speak. And um, you know, I just really wanted to to do something different and not see commercial property all day, architects and engineers all day. Um, saw an opportunity at a, a company that was actually one of my my clients, uh, small regional ENS wholesaler and um, you know jump jump ship and we really never look look back. So after I working there for a couple of few years as a generalist in a lot of lot of different um, you know areas, as Lee said, just the the scary, freaky, and weird, or it's just a really nice risk that's, um, you know, brand new, but on the, on the water. So got got to cut my teeth at a, you know, shop that, you know, did, did really good by me and learned a lot of different things. Had an opportunity to kind of get, get over to the big leagues and um, join NIF and GenCap and got a tap on the shoulder and a, an offer I couldn't refuse. And, um, you know, really that was my opportunity to go much more all in in the cannabis space, having, uh, you know, bigger, bigger national presence and a lot of markets. So, um, yeah, it was about three years ago we went went all in on cannabis myself and brought brought GenCap with me, uh, NIF, and now um, Elite Lee, Two after that. So uh, that's where 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 I came from and how uh, how I got to where I am today. Yeah, that's awesome
0: background for you guys. And and just to tell the listeners who might not be as insurance versed as we are, these guys when they're talking about surplus and brokerage. When I can't find a standard carrier as me as an agent to place a risk, I go I go to guys like Lee and Eric to go try to find a carrier who will, and they assist me throughout that process and give me a lot of the technical side of things and and aware me of the exposures that these hairier risks, as Lee will say, might have. So just to to clear the air on that and lead us into cannabis, why do you guys what do you guys see? Uh, why that the insurance companies kind of are having a hard time accepting cannabis into the standard market and, and kind of these, these cannabis businesses are having a hard time finding companies that will insure. Can you guys kind of talk about how the landscape started from the insurance perspective and things when cannabis was legalized in states like Colorado and Washington? And then just briefly lead us up to kind of where we're at today.
2: Uh, you know, when, when, you know, cannabis insurance started, uh, you know, back, you know, West Coast, everything was medical, um, which to some degree almost made it a little bit easier for carriers to, to jump in because they're looking at it from the standpoint of this. This is medicine. There's, there's a need. Um, let's underwrite to that. Let's think of coverage as such. And, you know, there weren't many carriers, but there were some of your kind of, um, you know, Main Street, normal, everyday surplus lines carriers. So still on the hairier side of things. That were are writing it. Um, you know, a lot of them got burnt bad just because they didn't necessarily understand the, the coverages, the product and such, um, but they were able to lean in and, and like I said, they, a lot of them got burnt. So there weren't many, many players out there. Coverage was really restrictive. And then what happened was as they started to you know, learn through losses, as some of the states started to go recreational, it actually almost uh, restricted things more in, in the really early days because now we have something that's not just a medicine, but it's, you know, it's like alcohol. It's a recreational product that people are used, using to get banged up, whatever, however you want to describe it. Um, that has a whole different implication on coverage and usage and uh, the reasoning why you're using it, where you're using it. And that frankly just scared the heck out of underwriters and carriers and kind of made them uh, restrict a little bit. And that's when there was a real gap. And then some programs came out You know, folks pretty much realized that th- this product isn't going anywhere the marketplace for cannabis is is not robust and you know some people just said you know what if, if the regular markets and the surplus lines arena that we have now aren't going to do it then we need to find somebody who will and create our own programs and that's what a few folks did and really kind of uh, pioneered the the coverage and the com- comfortableness that, um, you know, carriers now have started with a few, few players just leaning in and, um, you know, pretty much just bootstrapping a program and finding different carriers that would, would write it. And, you know, they'd get one carrier to do the property portion another carrier that do the uh, general liability and, um, you know, came together to something that is the groundwork of, of what we have today.
0: That's awesome. And, and I think you did a really good job of explaining why from the insurance company's perspective, why it's such a, a tricky situation and, and risky because there's so much unknown, right? Or there there was, especially in the beginning. You guys have talked a lot about restrictive coverage. Lee, can you kind of talk about some of the things that played out in the early losses in the industry and and why coverage has restricted in certain places and kind of highlight those areas?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the main, you know, it's still probably the the highest uh, frequency of losses uh, for these cannabis companies is coming you know, from theft losses. Um, so the early days were no different. <clears throat> um, you know, I think the, the restrictions that are put in place by the carriers today you know, in regard to theft, um, they're really not, I wouldn't even look at them really as restrictions. It's more just using sound risk management uh, you know, techniques to you know, keep your business safe. So, you know, there are restrictions as far as, you know, where is the product, in, you know, for a dispensary, where does the product have to be stored, um, how much product can be out available to the customer at any given time, you know, you know, the vault definitions, the safe definitions and what each carrier deems and approves safer vault. Um, but really, you know, I, I don't believe that I would consider it more, you know, a uh, restriction. It's more just a, a forced risk management uh, technique or, you know, that's kind of how I look at it, um, you know, for the insured. And,
0: and that's, to, that's almost to the insured's benefit, it is to the insured's benefit to, to prevent losses and that's why they are making all of this required. Absolutely, and I mean, if all the losses are coming from
1: that particular, you know, a lot of the losses were coming from theft, you know, let's, you know, figure this out because if, if all the losses are gonna continue in that fashion, you know, the price to obtain theft coverage is just going to be astronomical. So it's benefiting the industry as a whole, not just necessarily, you know, that particular insured. keeping the coverage affordable.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of affordable, Eric, how has the pricing kind of changed uh, from the early days when there is only the few players in the market to now there there's a little bit more competitiveness? What do, What kind of pricing are you seeing a harder soft market kind of going on right now
2: it's it's actually a great question and very interesting because i, I think if you you ask um different brokers around the country in different places they, they have different opinions and I, I think that you know a lot of them would say that prices are, are going up And while i agree that that's the trend uh, i'm still seeing lower rates coming out um on renewal on some deals of property and and liability. And it's, in my opinion, 100% a a function of um, competition. There was definitely a little bit of a take it or leave it um, attitude by some some markets previously. Uh, Some of it was justified, some of it was an attitude. Uh, Now we have people getting three or four different quotes on a risk. Um, If you've got a good broker or you're an agent who's got a direct relationship with the program and then you've got a good broker that can access uh, other cannabis markets, you should be presenting two options at least um, to, to a client to, to at least show that what, what they had last year is still the, the best in the business. Uh, but what we're seeing is a lot of times when there's another market involved or another broker, all of a sudden the carrier's slashing pricing by 15, 20% on renewal um, to retain the account. So it tells you either that they were charging far too much or that you know competition is showing them that, that if they wanna retain the business, they need to change their pricing model. So, you know, seeing accounts that even though it's an extra year of of coverage, um, you know, so technically if all else equal, if you have a a, a year over year, there should be an increase because we're giving uh, what's called prior acts coverage for something you did in the past. Now, generally you get an extra 5% uh, bump every year for that. Again, we're seeing companies coming out with rates that are either flat or going going in the opposite direction. property is the same too if you know if you're not cobbled by uh you know tiv limits and you have more than one or two markets that's going to be able to quote that particular cannabis risk for you whether it's a grower um, processor retail shop or all all the above now you have some pricing leverage and you know some of the carriers are either know that so they're sharpening them up, up off the bat or they're they're, you know, finding out if there's there's pressure and then and then changing um, our stance is you should always assume that there's pressure and you should be given the best product. And it's definitely a frustration when we see some of the competing terms come in and all of a sudden they slash a, you know, we're $100,000 deal and they're all of a sudden slashing $30,000 off it. That tells me something is way off and is a concern and, um, you know, something that we think competition will, will fix, to be honest.
0: And do you guys, do you guys think either one of you could take this question? Do you guys think that competition trend will continue to be more and more players entering the market as we see more loss history on these kind of businesses and cannabis around the national and, and by state level becomes more of a regular thing?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely would say, you know, there's gonna be more carriers entering the, the industry. Um, there's a bipartisan bill right now, the Claim Act, um, which basically would allow cannabis companies, um, the insured and the carriers, it would basically provide some protection and availability of insurance products without uh, the scrutiny of you know the federal government coming in and um, you know basically it's still federally illegal, but it's going to protect them and protect the insurance companies. So we think that that will eventually lead to more carriers getting into the space. Um, you know, the t- it's probably going to take a year or two for, you know, carriers to kind of get up and running. And then at the same time, you know, they're still going to have to ha- you know, have file their forms. A lot of the admitted companies look to file their forms. Um, so it's going to definitely take some ramp up period, but yeah, it, it is going to, we're going to see more carriers getting involved. Um, you know, whether the products are, adequate in providing, you know, competitive premiums and, you know, good coverage that, you know, will be something we'll have to look at, but um, we're definitely going to see more competition entering the space.
2: Add to that um, real quick, you know, it, it, with some of the bills that are in legislation, uh, you know, safe banking and uh, claims act that Lee, Lee mentioned, you know, we're going to see a big surge in, in, in capital on both sides of the fence, the, you know, the insurance operators uh, carrier side, and also the actual uh, cannabis operators It's going to change, change the landscape and really you know, where we're going is this will be a, a, a product that's not in the scary, hairy world that Lee, Lee and I live in. It's, you know, it will be a surplus lines play for the most part for a very long time. And a lot of it will be, but, there's going to be retail shops, and they're already, you know, getting there with their programs, where they're they're carving out a little bit of area where you can have that nice main street, emitted coverage that your, you know, your your basic mercantile risk has now, and really they they should. So there's, there's no reason why we're we we can not get there. Um, I think we need to just clear up some of the the legislative and legal hurdles that are just making people fearful. And if you're a big you know big national insurance carrier, you get, are you going to risk it all for um, you know? jumping into a right right small cannabis book probably not but once we re- remove some of those legal restrictions and hurdles that some are perceived some are real you know the fear is the fear of the unknown is too great for for too many investors so they they won't want to stay away but it's becoming so normalized on on the, you know, the regulatory side and on the um, you know the main street side and individual operators it, it's coming very soon and it's going to make um, life better for all of us because the coverage needs to be better and the pricing should be more affordable
0: yeah, it does a really good job of explaining how that impacts the insureds. Can we kind of talk a little bit more about how the, the legal hurdles and, and legislation is impacting the insureds in the cannabis market? Uh, just Lee, me and Lee were working on this weekend, and there's just so many hoops they got to jump through just to get a license, get their insurance taken care of do you guys, what do you guys see that are kind of the biggest hurdles that insureds in the cannabis industry have to jump through and and do you see those lightening up at all? Yeah, I mean, I
1: I guess I would start by saying, um, you know, the insured just being aware of, you know, that insurance is available, um, you know, that's a big hurdle. Like a lot of these companies, they may work, you know, they may work with an agency that is not focusing cannabis um, they may not really understand what's actually available to them out there. Um, so a lot of the hurdles are more just like, you know, you understand that there's coverage available out there and we need to get the information so that we can properly underwrite it. So, you know, just being able to tell this, you know, the insurer, just being able to tell their story, um, show photos, kind of tell us where they're, what their outlook is for their company and where they're going and where they're at currently. You know, the more information that you they can provide to their insurance agent, the better opportunity they're going to have to, you know, really find competitive terms and competitive pricing by telling the story to the carrier and getting the carrier to be very comfortable with the risk. Um, So a lot of these things that we think are maybe hurdles, it's more just they're not used to having to provide that much information and really think ahead to. Here's where I am today. Here's where I want to be in five years as a business owner, Um, you know. Because that a lot of that does play into which markets Eric and I would approach. You know, if you had an account that was planning to, they're all growing rapidly. But in this particular case, if you had an account where they're planning to, you know, uh, construct a new cultivation facility, that's something that we would want to know ahead of time because there's carriers that we would want to place the coverage with that have the capacity to add that type of uh, building to their policy. So really just kind of getting the information. um, You know, it seems like a hurdle at first, because it is a lot, the applications are pretty daunting and long. um, But, you know, it's, it's definitely information that is useful and, and can benefit them.
2: Yeah. And I would, I would add, you know, the, the regulatory environment is, is difficult. Every, every state is, is nuanced and, you know, having a good lawyer consultant accountant um, costs a lot of money. And that's, that's one of the largest hurdles is to do it right. In most of the States, it takes a lot of capital and um, you know, that's, that's one of the issues. And that comes back to, to social equity and some other topics around that, but you know, it's tough if you don't have the right team and the right team costs, costs money. And then once you you're there, you have these different forms, special, special licenses, special insurance for particular licenses. And I don't see that right now getting any easier. Um, states are doing a better job articulating what, what an insur- or what a, an operator needs, um, so you're not spending quite as much on that consultant and lawyer because they're putting, you know, FAQs up on the website and such, but it, it's still really the wild west and you know it, it fraught with with pitfalls. And I, I think some of the some of the regulations were done with the best best intentions. Michigan's a great example. Um, trying to make sure that there was some product liability coverage. Um, which is great, but then how they implemented the type of product liability and, and the formation of it was not so great. And, you know, like to see something like that improve. But, you know, we're seeing states require ins- insurance, especially states that came on later, um, like Massachusetts and Michigan, um, versus the early adopters on the West Coast don't have the same, um, you know, requirements. So, you know, I, I, if anything, seeing the, the regulations are hurdles growing um you know maine maine's a state that's near and dear to me and um because they've gone recreational lately that has greatly changed the caregiver and um, medical landscape and the regulations for those folks who have been operating um pretty unfettered for years now have to jump through a lot more hoops do more paperwork some of it is absolutely justified and paperwork that they were doing already or should have been doing already um, and some of it is a little over the top. So I, I think it's, it's getting more difficult and a little more expensive um, to operate. But, you know, we pass safe banking, um, we allow cannabis operators to have access to traditional funding, mortgages, loans, like every other business, um, that'll counter that and that will give them more of the resources they need to combat some of the regulations and things that are that are there for, for, for better or worse.
0: That's great insight, especially for you know startup cannabis people or people who might be thinking about getting into it. What about um, one question I had? Of where do you see uh, potential for growth within the cannabis industry? Are you guys seeing um, obviously all across the board a ton of growth potential? but is there any certain kind of class of cannabis business that you guys are seeing really take off right now, whether it be uh, cultivators or transportation businesses or dispensaries themselves?
1: I guess I'd say, I mean, across the board, um, you know, I I don't think it really is specific to, you know, a single operation, Um, you know, across the board, I mean, we're seeing, you know, cultivators, processors, retail dispensaries, or provisioning centers here in Michigan. Um, you know, the higher, the dispensaries, the one area within kind of what we're talking about is, you know, the delivery service for these dispensaries. That's an area that, you know, COVID has really had an impact on uh, the delivery of uh, cannabis products to consumers. Um, so that's an area where coverage, you know, a lot of these businesses weren't planning to deliver until COVID came along. And uh, that's an area that we've seen more, you know, more uh, inquiries and, and requests for coverage. Um, with that being said, it's definitely a, a tough coverage to place. So, you know, we can't always help, you know, because it's, it's pretty expensive coverage. But, um, you know, that's kind of an area within, within the industry that's really taken off.
0: Yeah, it's a good point to make. And those transportation risks outside of cannabis themselves are very costly on the insurance end of things. So, I'm sure you guys are seeing a lot of the same thing when it comes to uh, rates for transportation of, of cannabis.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it's it, it, it the transportation side of cannabis is is newer. Um, a lot of states didn't um, didn't legislate uh, delivery um, early on. Some states allowed it because of COVID. So, uh, that's an area where the coverage is not quite as robust as, as, um, you know, a regular retail operation with no delivery. So not, you know, back, back, going back a few years, it's like before, you know, not as many, not as many carriers, not as good of coverage. Um, but back to your question about, you know, potential growth opportunities, I'm always going to answer for more from a, a, you know, main street investor side. Um, and I'd say it's the ancillary businesses. I, I love a good non-leaf touching business that, Makes the containers for extracts or the childproof um, containers that are compostable, things like that. That's where I see a lot of growth and opportunity because you know the regulatory environment can greatly change most of my insured's lives. Um, if if you know the Fed legalizes cannabis, makes it a Schedule Two controlled substance, that will change things greatly. So. I see the ancillary businesses are ones that really have the the stay power because they're always going to need the containers. They're always going to need the security services. They're always going to need the heat sensors, the cameras, the lights. Um, so that's where I see a lot of growth. And I think it's also kind of an untapped area where folks are always swinging for the fences, whether it's from an insurance standpoint, trying to uh, land an account as an agent or an investor. They want the big grows. They want the extractors. But there's a lot of good opportunity in those companies and a lot of good intellect. Um, so I would definitely keep an eye on those. And we've seen, like I said, growth, growth on, you know, the insurance side too. Um, you know, also extraction, um, that's, that's where the big money is in my opinion, in, in the, in the cannabis industry. Um, there are plenty of people that can grow it. There's plenty of people can sell it. There's not as many that can process it and turn it into another product that's useful. And I find that the, 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 Shops that are going fastest and doing the biggest things are the ones that had the biggest foothold and control in extraction, whether they had other, you know, they're vertically integrated, meaning they had the the grow, the extraction and the retail, or they just said, you know what, we're going to buy wholesale cannabis from a grower, we're going to process it for them, extract it, sell it back to them or sell it to a retailer Um, those are the guys that are printing money faster than anyone else in the, in the business, in my opinion. So um, that's where I see a lot of growth from an insurance standpoint and from an investment standpoint.
0: That is unreal insight. Thank you so much for sharing, Eric. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing Lee too. I would, I could sit here and talk to you guys about cannabis insurance for hours on end. Um, But I did want to wrap up with just one tip from each of you that you have it could be for professional people, but I think for this podcast, we might need one, one tip for professional cannabis people out there. What do you guys got? Lee, do you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, I would say um, one tip, and it's a tip that I kind of took to heart because I received the same tip. Uh, dive in. You know, I don't think that you can really understand this industry um, without you know jumping in with both feet um, you know, read articles, talk to people, go visit dispensaries and, um, use your network, um, you know, to, to learn, you know, just be a a very curious person. Um, you know, I think if you kind of make it, if it's your passion and and you kind of treat it like that, you're going to, you know, talk to people, learn and, and, you know, just really make it your niche. So I would just, my advice would be to dive in.
0: Great advice, Eric, what do you have to, to end it up here? Well that's the advice I
2: gave Lee so it's kind of <laughs> unfair but no I actually I will I will, will build on that cuz you know it's it, it's spot on you, you you bury yourself in the forms you know if, if you're on the insurance side of it you need to read the coverage you got to nerd, nerd out on the on on the policy and just get it, get into it um, you know I think it's very important you know wherever you are in the in the the business on the professional side uh, you need you need to go walk some facilities you need to see the places you know if you're on the insurance side you you know, go, go, go get into a couple of places, call Lee. He'll take you on a, on a walk around um, being in, in the back of a the back of the house in one of those facilities is invaluable. Um, and you, everybody has a perception of what, what an operation is like, how, you know, the smell, the feel, the look, and it's, it's indescribable. you just, you just need to go there. Um, and as I said, you, you know, echoing what Lee just said, you dig in, go, you know, go all in, build the network, um, what is great about cannabis it is such a place where people are so willing to share, learn, mentor. Um, so take advantage of that, especially when they're really going while so people are still so willing to, to be forward with info, um, network with folks, join a, join a, a local trade group. Um, there's a couple of good associations out there that are really doing great things. Um, partner with one of them and um, find, find a mentor and a friend. Great advice
0: guys. And thanks again for coming on and thank you Lee and and Eric for kind of mentoring me through, through this stuff as we keep going. And, and I hope to keep growing with you guys. And I hope you guys keep doing big things and protecting all of those cannabis business owners out there. Guys have a good one. Thanks for coming on. Likewise. Thanks so much, Dan. Keep paying it forward. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep it professional people.